What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC and MC. Look, I was going to say Ryan Clark hates his son so much that he turned into a ripped white guy. <laughs> but as you guys all know, this is Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, thanks for joining yeah, the show, man. Of course, man. Ryan thanks got stuck in Detroit. I know. One, one man's travel woes is another man's beneficiary. You know, I'm enjoying this, so let's do this. Ryan is always at training camp. Ryan was at the Detroit Lions. Got delayed this morning. Made a joke yesterday that it would be me and Michael Chandler only, and now he has willed it into existence. I know. He should not play around with stuff like that. No, when I showed up this morning, when I showed up this morning, I had no idea, and they're actually like, someone said, actually, he just turned around on the tarmac. So yeah. Here we are. Poor Ryan Clark. Yeah. Dude. Guys, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about UFC 292. We also tap in and tap out. But as you know, Michael Chandler is right in the middle of the ultimate fight. Actually, it ends tonight. Mm -hmm. Mike. Conor McGregor was very active this weekend. He had a plan for what he's going to do. He goes Chandler next in December. Then Gaethje for the BMF Championship. Then we'll do the Nate Diaz trilogy. But ultimately, what matters to Michael Chandler is the first line in that statement. Michael Chandler next in December. What's your confidence that it actually happens in December? Yeah, that is the most important thing to me, obviously. Um, but it happening in December... I'm not, I'm not holding my breath, but you know I'm ready. Yeah, but you know I, I'm ready. We were just in the cafeteria eating, me and this guy. And this guy's eating a hamburger patty. He's eating a chicken breast, sweet potato fries, because and some avocado. Avocado, get the fast. Because, food. you know, he doesn't know if Connor tried to pull the wool over his eyes. Mm -hmm. Because as Dana said the other day, Connor likes to mess with the opponent. So you got to be prepared. But, Mike, for so long, people have been saying that the fight with McGregor can't happen because of the whole USADA thing. Yep. How can he fight if he still hasn't dealt with all that? Is that why you're hesitant about it happening in December? That's definitely one aspect of it, obviously. Um, you know, and even that, too, we don't – is he training? I don't know how much he's mm -hmm. training. He, we see him on boats more than we see him hitting bags, I'll tell you that much. So, I mean, we're uh, – you know, for, for me – you know I'm ready. You know I'm always staying in shape. I am 37 now, so I'm trying to keep my trying to keep my diet a little bit more dialed in, so I can stay a little bit more ripped, look like a professional athlete. But yeah, I mean, if, if it could happen by the end of the year, that would be absolutely phenomenal. You know I'm ready tomorrow. Um, yeah. But if it spills over into 2024, either way, the most exciting guy in the sport, myself, versus the biggest star in the sport and the greatest comeback in combat sports history, people are going to tune in and we're going to put butts in seats. You know, that's one thing that I was always thinking about when it seemed like Conor was kind of going ghost a little bit, keep this fight together, Chandler, mm -hmm. right? Ben Askren and I spoke about it, and we both were telling you, make sure the fight happens. But ultimately, before the fight can happen, you guys did the Ultimate Fighter. What's that experience been like? Not only because you got the coach opposite the biggest star in MMA, you were on linear television, ESPN, the main platform, but you also dominated the competition. Yeah, ESPN every single week was a huge blessing. Um, you know, and, and we talked about this on my show as well. You did the Ultimate Fighter. Dude. It's a different scenario. Wearing that microphone at all times, having a camera he on you at let all him slap times. You. He did. He run that back, man. He definitely Somebody run that clip me. back. He definitely Why face that man slap you in the face like he, that, dog? He definitely face pushed me. But he run that he mushed, back. He mushed my face. <laughs> Why right? would he do that? He mushed my face, and someday he's going to pay for it. But <laughs> until then, you know, it just, it's just funny on TV, oh, and, I, and I'll do as I'm told, right? You got all the hey, look, I barely moved Number one, look how small Connor's hands are. Did anybody see how small Connor's hands are? Everybody talks about how big they are. I've barely felt the push. My, my body and head barely went oh back, and he backed goodness. up more than I did. So I can't wait to go in there and step into the octagon and fight this man uh, whenever <laughs> it happens. But 
Chandler absolutely, Team Chandler absolutely dominated. We get oh. to put a big exclamation mark on it tonight and then this weekend. Mike. Oh, man, that dude got up here. Ah, I can't believe you kept it together. <laughs> I had no idea it was going to happen. I was like, there's no way this dude just put his hands on me. And he did. And it was great TV. Yeah, it was great TV. Mike, when, when, when you're in that situation with him, right, he's got a big personality. And he, he speaks to you almost like you're in his show. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with all that? Was it just good to win? Like, is it just enough to win the competition going, hey, don't matter what you're saying, I'm winning. Because I know that when I was fighting Stipe, when I did the Ultimate Fighter, the whole time I wanted to win everything. I wanted to win the fights. I wanted to win the coaches' competition. I wanted to win everything in the buildup. Did it feel good enough to be able to just beat him every single fight and see how discouraged he got mm-hmm. as the season went on? Yeah, you know, I got two different ways to answer this question. The first thing was, just like you, I wanted to beat Connor every single thing. I wanted to show up, be a better coach, be a better mentor, a better friend, beat him in the coaches' challenge, be better at him than everything. Because the fight itself, the build-up, the lead-up, the I am better than you started the day that we got there. But then I got there and realized, man, I just fell in love with these, these, these guys on my team, wanted to get them into the UFC, wanted them to win so badly. So that was definitely a very intricate part of it and a very deep part of, of my, my being a coach there. And then the great thing about Connor, and I will give him some huge props here, is he would go three, four days of, like, trying to be my friend, trying to be buddy-buddy, trying to be like, hey, man, yeah. it's all business. You know, hey, I'm the biggest guy in the sport. You're on my, sh- on my show. Uh, but, you know, you're a nice guy. And then all of a sudden he'd flip the script, and then one day he would go completely nuts on me or he'd, he would go – hit a little bit deep, a little bit, little bit uh, deeper of a cut to really kind of try to get under my skin. So you never quite knew which Connor you would get. Monday you might get one, Tuesday might you get a different one, Wednesday might be well, a you completely got Connor, different guy. Well, okay, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday you got a guy, then you'd get a guy on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Yeah. When the weekend hit, you know, then everybody <laughs> tried to get a little loose. Everybody get a little loose on the weekend. Some people were getting loose. I, <laughs> I might have gotten loose a little bit, but maybe not as loose as others. <laughs> so by the time he got to the weekend, he was a little different. But one thing that was very apparent, was the different approach between you and Connor as a coach. Mm-hmm. Why were you so intent on playing more than just a guy that was there to coach these guys for six weeks? Because it was very evident that your guys in your interactions with the guys were a little different. Mm-hmm. Do you think it came down to the staff you put together or it was just you being more hands-on with the athletes, and that showed in the competition. I think it had a lot to do with the staff that I put together because my, my staff was very equally yoked with my, with my thought process and how much I cared and how much we loved these guys. I mean, really, you think about it, it is a competition, and it's fun, and it's awesome. I mean, I could have went out here and got completely mollywopped, but it's still awesome. I was on ESPN for 12 weeks straight. But to know that Jason Knight here on, on camera right now, every single other guy on my team, I could be a small piece of their puzzle for the rest of their life, whether it be money, whether it be platform, whether it be providing for their families, mm-hmm. I was able to be a small piece of that puzzle. And if I could just be there to be a to be a shoulder to lean on, to be to be a guy that made them believe in them more than they were going to believe in themselves had I not been there, then I was there doing my job. And I just fell in love with the process, and it was fun. You know, the crazy thing about when I did The Ultimate Fighter, they fought the finale the night before Stipe and I fought. Oh, it was when yeah, International crazy. Fight Week was... Thursday night, there was a title fight. Friday night, there was a fight with the ultimate fighter. And then we fought it. We, I'm sorry, we fought to finish the weekend off. Mike, you dominated so much that you have multiple guys in the finals. We can't talk about who wins tonight, whatever. But teammates are fighting each other because you won all the fights. Yeah. How does that feel seeing those guys that you got so close to knowing 
that they're going to have to fight each other to who see who ultimately gets that ultimate goal. They all went there with one goal in mind. Mm -hmm. This weekend, somebody's goal is going to be shattered, and one's going to reach the mountaintop. Yeah, it was, I mean, obviously that was the goal. The goal is to go in there and win as many fights as you can for me as the coach to get each guy to the next level. But as a negative, somewhat negative byproduct, that means your guys are going to end up fighting each other. And it, it was a tough thing you saw, you know, last week with Kurt and um, Jason Knight. You saw it with Roosevelt Roberts and Austin Hubbard. Me just sitting there wincing, watching these guys completely quiet. My coaches, uh, a guy you know very well, Bob Cook was there. Yeah. You know, giving them water, toweling them off, telling them time, but no actual coaching technique because we weren't there to coach them. Go out there, boys. Cage door closes. May the best man win. So it was tough. Um, but ultimately, my goal was to get these guys into the UFC, get their mind right, get their hearts right, get their emotions and their spirits right so they could go out there, put on a great performance, and then get that call from Sean Shelby, get that call from Mick Maynard, Dana White, to get into the UFC. And I think our guys put on good showings, and I think most of them will get that opportunity. You know, those guys have been there before, and it showed, right? I don't know why. Uh, you ended up with all the veterans, and he ended up with all the rookies. Mm -hmm. It made it to where it was almost clear that if with the right coaching situation, those guys with all that experience would separate themselves from uh, the competition. You know, Ultimate Fighters will be crowned on Saturday night at UFC 292, but so will be the Bantamweight Championship. It will be determined mm -hmm. as Aljamain Sterling takes on Sugar Sean O'Malley. When you look at that fight, Mike, and you look at the momentum that O'Malley has built, and you look at the disrespect that Aljamain continues to receive, how do you break this one down between these two phenomenal fighters? Because there is a reason Sean O'Malley is here. He's that good. Yep. But we are looking at Aljamain, who may have the best bantamweight run of all time. Yeah, and I think they both have an X factor in this one in the fact that if Aljamain Sterling can get that takedown and take Sean O'Malley out of, of where he is comfortable, then he's going to have a he's going to have an easier night at the office. I mean, look at that. Look win at streak, these numbers, bro. Fight win streak. Line fight win most streak. Wins. Most wins history. You've got second most title fight wins in UFC history. There's no one with more control time. But we are talking about a guy that is just. Really dominated the division, yes, Mike. But Sean O'Malley, like you said, you used the word momentum. Yes. Sean O'Malley believes in Sean O'Malley more than anybody else believes in them in the entire world. Sometimes you see guys where everybody believes in them, but that guy doesn't quite believe in himself. Sean O'Malley believes in himself. And if Sean O'Malley can stop a couple of those takedowns, especially early, if he can just use that, that long distance, those pot shots where he can just take Aljamain from, from being in a fight to being taken taken shots to the face and all of the different angles that Sean is able to do, spinning stuff and kind of showboating a little bit. Sean O'Malley has the ability to take Aljamain Sterling so far outside of his comfort zone that he can go snatch that title this weekend. It's really hard to say that, though, right? Because we've seen Aljamain in there with Piotr Jan, who in the first fight dominated Aljamain, right? Aljamain won on the illegal knee, but then ultimately came back and beat Piotr Jan. We have seen him fight the wrestler in Henry Cejudo. We have seen him fight the former champion in T.J. Dillashaw. We have seen this guy accomplish so much on so many different occasions, but still, every time he goes in there, we have people thinking, well, this might be the time. Yep. But I think that's the definition of a great champion, right? Because the great champion beats everybody in such a way that every time there's someone new, you wonder, is this the time? Yep. Because you don't know, and you also don't know who's going to have the ability to do that. Now, by no means am I saying Sean O'Malley's not going to beat this guy. I'm saying that what he has put on paper tells you that this is a champion that should be respected for all that he's done. But as you said, 
uh, Mike. Sean O'Malley believes in Sean O'Malley. And I think that the fight with Piotr Jan, while many question the result, ultimately showed that Sean O'Malley belongs at the top of the division, and he's fighting at a level that probably only Aljamain Sterling can match him right now. It is true, because that is the one thing. We, we've Can Sean O'Malley go out there and get taken down, get held down, almost get choked, fight the hands, go through that grueling kind of fight that Aljamain Sterling isn't just accustomed to, but might be one of the best masters at it in the entire, not yeah. just in the division, but in the entire sport. But do we, but do, I mean, do, do, is it that simple, though? Is it that simple yeah. that it's a takedown for Aljo and it's standing up for Sean O'Malley? It can't possibly be that simple because we've constantly heard stories about Sean O'Malley's jiu-jitsu, how he trains. We've seen him grapple on the UFC uh, Fight Pass Invitational. We have seen him in real grappling situations not only hold his own, but do very, very well. We've seen Aljamain Sterling forced to stand with guys, be unsuccessful on takedowns. So, Mike, it can't possibly be that's simple. No, you're right. And I think I think because us as mixed martial arts fans or analysts or pundits, we always think, okay, well, it's as simple as this guy taking him down and as simple as this guy outstriking him. A lot of times in those fights where there's that matchup where they cancel each other out, there's that one person that's going to rise above, that one person who's going to have a performance so far outside mm. of their comfort zone. And all of a sudden we're like, holy cow, Sean O'Malley's a jiu-jitsu specialist. Yep. Or holy cow, Aljamain Sterling is, an, is a, a world-class level striker. We might see that this weekend or we might see what we're talking about. One guy imposes his will. One of my things about these types of fights, when you have two guys that ultimately will be so evenly matched, and again, we're, it's Tuesday. We're talking about a fight that happened Saturday. We have a lot of footage on these two guys. When you look at these two, if you start to fail in the area that you expect to dominate, so if Aljo can't secure takedowns, if Aljo can't clinch, if Aljo's forced to stand, if Sean O'Malley's forced to grapple, I believe it comes down to all those little intangibles. Yep. The confidence, like you said, the momentum of O'Malley. But how in the world can we speak of momentum and not think that the momentum's on the side of the guy that's won 12 fights in a row, not the guy that's won four in a row and is unbeaten in five fights. Yeah, and, and, some, and, and one kind of X factor to think about here is can we, all, can we all just admit that if you had to do a poll, Sean O'Malley is much bigger of a, bigger of a star than Al Jermaine is. Yes. Is there a moment there where Aljo says, you know what, I've already talked about moving up. It's now Marab's time in this division. And everybody wants O'Malley to win, so you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and maybe not quite be there. Or, no, no, or, no. or is it the pressure that gets to Sean O'Malley? Well, I got to the top of the mountaintop, didn't quite make it there. It's okay, I'll come back. All of these different things that the fans at home have never really experienced, but we sit here and talk about. There's yeah. so many different things that could happen. You, you know, when you start to look to what's next, it can be scary for a person that's on that side. But when you see Aljamain Sterling, who's around? Aljamain's at the fights at the Apex. You talk to him, and he's not – he wants to prove in this fight that he's the man. Because as you said, Mike, he is the biggest star, meaning Sean O'Malley. Mm -hmm. He is the guy that the general public would seem to be drawn to. But most times, you need a guy to uplift you. If you're fighting a bigger star, that bigger star will raise your profile. When I went into the fights with John Jones – John Jones's profile was so big that he elevated me. That when I fought Stipe, it did the same thing, right? It makes you bigger on the other side because it's a, I talk about it all the time with wrestling. It's the rub. If you pin Hulk Hogan or you pin Roman Reigns, you're the man now. So when you beat the man, 
it ultimately becomes your show. And I think Al Jermaine, that's one thing he's been missing. So for as many title defenses as he's had, he has not had that name. Mm -hmm. Because for as good as T.J. Dillashaw was, Henry Cejudo, Piotr Jan, people weren't really tuning in to watch him. They do tone in to watch Sean O'Malley. And a lot of those guys may very well be better fighters than Sean O'Malley, but just like you said, Sean O'Malley has that superstar X Factor pink. What's hair, all this? Pink Lamborghini, yeah. private jets. He's got all he's got that I'm a marketable guy, I'm a superstar more than even I Snoop. am. But even Snoop. And Snoop. From yeah. the moment he won that contract on the contender series and you had Snoop going, O'Malley, O'Malley, it was like yeah. people were like, oh my God, who's this dude? Who is this kid? Yep. And then he backed it up with his performances in the octagon. Yeah, so I think that's a great opportunity for Aljamain Sterling. Like we said, those three names that you mentioned earlier who he has beaten now, this could very well be the biggest fight of his life to get him over that hump to maybe even win some people over and say, hey, this was the pink-haired golden boy superstar guy, and I just went out there and finished him. You know what's crazy? It feels like Aljamain Sterling has to be very careful early because the last time we had someone like this, a brash Young challenger. Now, I'm not calling him Connor, but Jose Aldo allowed for Connor to get into his head. Yep. And look at what happened to him. Yep. One of the best reigns of all time, over in 15 seconds. Yeah. Connor McGregor goes to the moon. Yeah, and that's and that's definitely a, I mean, and this this has got to be the biggest buildup that Al Jermaine, in his in his very successful run thus far, has felt when you have a fight, a fight week that is Sean O'Malley, the opposite yeah. of you on, in the cage. So we'll see how he, uh, how he handles it. You know, this is a, a big moment for Sean O'Malley. And honestly, a, a, another massive opportunity for Al Jermaine to distance himself from the rest of the division in terms of historical uh, meaning. But another guy on the verge of something massive is Chris Weidman, mm -hmm. right? Chris Weidman is one of our friends. He's one of the guys, a former middleweight champion. A guy that when he was younger was the second coming. Mm -hmm. Right, He was the man. He was the All-American, the clean-cut kid from New York that beat Anderson Silva twice. He had a gruesome injury the last time he was inside the octagon. Broke his leg fighting against Shariah Hall. Setback after setback. Years later, now he's back. What do you think the mindset is now for Weidman as he's on the verge of stepping back to the octagon for the first time in years. It's tough. You know, obviously it has been years, but with those years, I'm sure he was very smart about coming back in a in a reasonable manner. You know, he wasn't going to come back too early. I don't necessarily think he's coming back too late. I do think this is a nice sweet spot to really get your your feet underneath you, for lack of a better term, well, to be able to kind of feel like he's got a great training camp out there. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he's been a champion for a reason. But in this, like, what do you think of the thought First thing I'm doing in there is throwing the hardest leg kick I've ever thrown. Yeah, well, the good thing is it is his back leg. So that's the good thing. Just like in the Connor fight, when people say, hey, go after his leg, it is his back leg, luckily for him. So he's probably not going to throw kicks, but he's also probably not going to take a lot of damage to well, that back leg. Well, he said that the first thing he's going to do is throw the <laughs> hardest leg kick with that leg yeah. that he's ever thrown. Sometimes you got to do that. Right, right, but Rip it, the Band-Aid off, bro, baby. It's like, all right, so here's one of my things, right? And this will be a little bit off topic, but like, Michael Chiesa hadn't fought for a long time. He went out there the other day and he looked terrible against Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland dominated him and showed that Mike wasn't on that level of those guys. I think he should fight right back. Yeah. Because then you eliminate the fear of being in there. Mm -hmm. I think that's what Weidman's doing. Weidman's like, if I'm afraid that this leg won't hold up, I may as well find out right now in the first strike. And if something happens, okay, okay. And I like that because no matter what, the leg – 
will be his will be the detriment we think of of the fight whether it is a unstable leg or whether it's the lack of cardio lack of confidence lack thereof of all the different intangibles that have held him back now because of said leg injury might as well go out there throw it right away and immediately it sends a signal to your brain that says hey this did, is okay didn't break we're good we got a titanium leg let's go mm -hmm. out there and be the all-american let's go out there and be the champion of old and he does get to do it up in the Northeast, not not necessarily in New York, but in Boston, so it's going to be closer to home. It might literally be the worst place for him. <laughs> Boston people hate people from New York. I guess that's true. It, it but might at least literally be close. the worst. At least he's close <laughs> to the Northeast. You know what? That's actually a, a good a good point. But uh, <laughs> so I stand corrected. But he's up in the Northeast. He's closer to home. Yeah, yeah, it is, Mike. But like, and more people can come down yeah. to support Chris. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch at your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-order stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel are selling sleek skis. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash DCRC. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. People ask questions when you get a great champion returning. They forget about what his career looked like before the injury, right? We know we had seen him lose to Dominic Reyes. We had seen him lose at middleweight. The question becomes, why is Chris Weidman fighting now? Does Chris Weidman still make a run? Or can he still make a run? Or do you believe this is just for, like, a goal of Chris Weidman? Like, I'm going to go. If this doesn't work, I'm going to go out on my terms. It's going to end in the way that I want it to end. Or do you think Chris Weidman, in his mind, believes that he can still make a run at a championship? I believe it's more about Chris Weidman doing this for Chris Weidman. But Chris Weidman has to do this for Chris Weidman this weekend in order to even think about a title run, in order to think about who am I a year from now, two years from now? Do I have the opportunity to do it? Do I have the abilities to do it? So he has to go out there and do this for Chris Weidman to come back. Yeah, you know, he has told me, like personally, Chris and I were doing something for a sponsor. We golfed. He said that he feels he matches up well with a lot of the people at the top of the middleweight division. But I think ultimately it'll be determined very early if he can still compete because you don't know until you're in there when it's over. I swear, Mike, I was in there that last fight, and in the second round I got hit, and I went down, and I was like, yo, I'm, I'm toast. This is it. Like, win or lose, like, I can win this fight, and it's over. Like, you just knew that it's over, and I think a lot of those questions will be uh, answered for Chris Weidman come Saturday night from uh, Boston. You know what's really funny to me is, is I think, I do agree with you, I think us as the athlete in there, we know right away, we can tell, the canvas might feel better or worse. It might feel foreign to us. The, the atmosphere, the smells, the feels might feel like we're either off or we're back on, we're right back on the horse. But to the fans at home, does his movement look stymied does his movement look slower is he the same Chris Weidman so it's going to be such an interesting weekend hats off to Chris for making the road to recovery coming back obviously I'm in a similar situation with Connor we want to yeah. see Connor come back yes and we want to believe that, that they can be the Who Connor of old the yep. Chris Weidman of old because ultimately those are two great athletes great champions who dedicated their life to this sport and what a brutal sport that we sometimes forget how brutal it is when you can have that gruesome of an injury until you see something like what happened to Connor and Chris Weidman. And I tell you guys, Chris Weidman, over the course of this recovery, had some really dark moments. And honestly, it's documented. There's an E60 on Chris Weidman that is getting done. Please, when it comes out, you have to watch it. And as we get closer to when it releases, we'll make sure to let you guys know. Hey, Mike, this weekend's fight card is filled with exciting fighters. You're one of those exciting fighters. So I figured, let's list our top five most exciting fighters in the UFC today, Michael Chandler. The floor is yours. My number five most exciting guy. We haven't seen a ton of him yet. Obviously, a lot of guys on my list have had years and years and years in the UFC. My number five is Hamzat Chemaev for the simple fact that at both weight classes against all different body types, the mystique that this man brings to the cage, we don't know what we're going to see. He's going to pick a guy up, slam him on their head. He's going to strike and knock him out. He's going to choke him in 10 seconds. Hamza Chimaev. 
Mm-hmm. Let me see number four. Number four, I'm going with Sean O'Malley. Not just because he's fighting this weekend, but oh we go back to Sean O'Malley, the superstar. Somebody it's the hair. It's the hair. It's his, it's his public persona. It's his, it's his online persona. It's his online persona. Who called It's you? Sean O'Malley, the character that we love. And he's pretty darn good in there. You see, that's, that's why you got that Dana White privilege. <laughs> exactly. Dana I, called, I know like, how to play. Make sure Sean O'Malley on that. I know how to play. <laughs> hey, hey, Dana, we did it, baby. Hey, number three. <laughs> Hey, number three, I've got the best boxer in the UFC, Max Holloway, the Hawaiian himself. Prayers up and shout out to Hawaii right now. We know y'all are going through a crazy, massive tragedy right now. But Max Holloway, the fighting Hawaiian, um, one of my favorite guys to watch forever. And I hope I never have to fight him because uh, he'd probably box me up. Number two. Yair Rodriguez, <laughs> oh. the, the, the attacks that he throws, the plethora of, of and the, pl- the plethora and the toolbox that the young man has is just absolutely so fun to watch. Um, he can knock you out. He can break your will to win, and he'll do it while spinning and uh, toting up the Mexican flag. Number one is a man that I fought, Justin Gaethje, the highlight. Mm. Now the BMF. He was the highlight. Uh, mm. He was the BMF, and I believe he will be Lightweight champion in the next six to eight months. I think he beats Dustin Poirier wanted to beat you up whenever you see that dude. <laughs> Bro, you got all kind of enemies, huh? Okay, hey, I only got Dustin Poirier as the minimum enemy for some reason. I don't know why he doesn't like me. And well, I'm not quite you sure said why that, I don't like him. Because you said that on the tweet after he lost. All I said was he needed a worthy <laughs> adversary, and I think I'm the guy. I know a guy, all right? I would love to fight for the BMF title. Who Would y'all at home not want to watch me that fight Justin Gaethje for the UFC title or the BMF title? Let's go. You tried. You actually tried, and honestly, I don't hate your list, but it's one of those lists where it's like a new guy comes to class and he like sits right next to the teacher and he wants to prove how good he is. Now I well, did Dana sent me sent me his that- statement. <laughs> Dana sent me that oh. list. What am I supposed to do? Are we this rolling right, right now? Are we rolling? Tripping, I didn't know that you guys weren't supposed All to hear right, that. Man, here's mine. Here's mine. At number five, I agree with you. Hamzat Chumayev. That's okay. one where I, that's why I gave you the fist Thank bump. You, Thank you. Hamzat Chumayev, guys, is one of those guys that can perform in any situation at any weight class. So we're going to see him at middleweight now. We'll see how he does. At number four, I have. Come on, guys. Run that clip for me. I got my boy Michael Chandler. Hey. Iron Mike. Come listen, on now. Iron Mike. While at times I may not agree with the approach because I think there are safer ways for Michael Chandler to go about winning fights. But because of the way he fights and the way he approaches it, that he's one of the most exciting fighters in the world, and that's why he's getting paid the big bucks and getting the big fights at number three. I got your friend Dustin Poirier. Uh Dustin Poirier, again. Uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. He was in the BMF championship fight for a reason, right? When are you seeing Dustin Poirier in bad fights? When are you seeing Dustin Poirier in fights that are not fun? Dustin Poirier is exciting. Mm. He knows how to put it on dudes. Now, it's a bit of a theme because at number two, I have another guy from the same weight class, Charles Oliveira. How in the world can you not say Charles Oliveira is one of the most exciting guys in the world? See, it's the problem when you bring a new guy here. I don't here see that. I don't see the active. excitement factor with Charles What's Oliveira. I'm sorry. What's not exciting? You he gotta dropped be a every, savage. He you gets gotta dropped be. every single fight. He drops You don't himself. know if he's going to win. He's always, every time you watch the Charles Oliveira, you're like this at the edge of your seat. Like, oh my God. You're like, he oh my lost. God. He won. Oh he my lost. God. He yeah, won. he won. He won. He lost. He won. Every one of you guys just beat the crap out of him in the first round. <laughs> and he always gets up and starts running around like Robocop. Charles Oliveira is number two and quite possibly could be number one. And at number one, it's unquestionable. 12 UFC appearances, 12 UFC bonuses for the highlight, 
Justin Gaethje. There's no one like Justin Gaethje, bro. No. There's no one like Justin Gaethje. His willingness to be in those types of fights consistently, never take a step back, and now developing a style that's safer. It, it, who in the world is safer, but it's still fun? Exactly. It's like he's safer now, but it's still fun. And that's why I say Justin Gaethje will be the UFC champion because you know this too. As a coach, you've been a coach now. We were just talking about you and your, and your, res and your wrestling team. You have to have kids who are savages, but be able, but have to, but be able to turn it off. That's turn off the savagery and think about technique, think about game plan. But when the going gets tough, can you revert back to that savage? Justin Gaethje, as he starts in fights and, and can wane and, and, and negotiate between savage and technique, I believe we see him as UFC champion. It's so year. weird talking to you guys in this division that have all fought each other. Because I asked Justin, who hit him hardest? He told me it was Oliveira. Mm. Uh, Olivera told me it was Poirier because of the the way that he was able to find the shots. Who for you? Out of all them dudes, Paul, who hit you the hardest? You think? I don't who like had to the most it. power? I don't like to admit it, but I think Dustin Poirier hit me hit me the hardest. He, really? Mainly because I think he hit his timing square, right square on the nose. Yeah, it was crisp and it was timing, and he doesn't wrap his knuckles. The dude goes out there. What do you mean he doesn't wrap his knuckles? He doesn't wrap his knuckles. Go go look at the fight that Tiago Alves <laughs> posted of him getting his knuckles wrapped or his hands wrapped in the the. The tape only goes to here. I don't know if I, I don't even know if that's legal, to be honest with you. But, oh, dude, now you're trying to. No, but, no, I, you are trying but to, I think it's legal. Oh, my I think you're, no, you're No, you're allowed to do it because Ben Askren actually never used to wrap his hands. Remember, because he was more of a grappling style. So yeah. it is legal. But I remember when I saw it, I was like, that's A, ballsy. And B, no yeah, wonder no hand. wonder it hurts because, you know, he's, he's got that crisp timing. He does have the heart of a champion. Wow. Dustin, I'll give you props all day long, even though we don't like each other. Someday we'll have a barbecue and yeah. we'll, we'll patch things up. But, yes, Dustin Poirier broke this nose. I can only breathe out of one side of it, um, but I don't like to admit it. That's two of y'all in that little circle that said Dustin Poirier is the hardest in the guy. Lafayette hard body, baby. Hey, Lafayette, Louisiana. I got to hey, give it to him. Do this to your watch. Corporate Jake gets on the God mic, and it's time to tap in and <laughs> okay. tap out. Corporate right. Jake, let's go. All right, guys. Last week, it was announced Sean Strickland will face Israel Adesanya in September for the middleweight title after Duplessis was deemed not ready. MC, tap in or tap out. Strickland has a better shot to beat Izzy than Duplessis did. I'm tapping in on this one because of the X factor of Sean Strickland being an absolute psychopath. I think DDP mm. is great. But he would have to beat Izzy in a technical matchup. The way you beat Izzy is by being a crazy psychopath like Sean Strickland. I like it. I like, I like Sean Strickland. I like that he will bring that to the fight. But I got to tap out. Because I believe that for Duplessis, there's a lot of emotion involved also hmm. with Edesanya. And I believe because of the emotion that he may have made some mistakes. I'm not saying he would, but that gives it a chance. If Izzy's locked in... Not many people can beat him. Sure. Corporate Jake. Former champ Kamar Usman came out and said Stephen Thompson is the only opponent that makes sense as his next opponent. DC, tap in or tap out on a welterweight clash between Usman and Wonderboy. I tap in. I tap in and I tap in for November. I tap in for Madison Square Garden. Because if Kamar Usman's not fighting for the belt, he needs to be fighting guys with name value and name recognition. Because he needs a guy that is going to put him back on the right track for a championship opportunity, and if he loses, Wonderboy then will find himself back in contention. 
Yes, it's the right fight, and Wonderboy still wants an opportunity to be a champion. So, yes, I tap all the way in. Absolutely. And you are not a mixed martial arts fan. Don't know a dang thing about mixed martial arts if you do not tap in on this topic right here. Two of the biggest names in the division, Kamara Usman, one of the best champions we will ever see at welterweight. Stephen Thompson believes he can fight back to that title. Stephen Thompson, for anybody in the entire world in the history of mixed martial arts, he is a very tough puzzle to solve. And still for a, a guy, savage, too. And still a savage, and he's such a tough puzzle to solve with his style. He's so hard to beat. He's so hard to get a read on and get a beat on. So it's not exactly going to be an easy night for a guy like Kamara Usman, no, who is a, a very fight. basic guy. He wants to be in your face, but how do I find him? How do I find him? Oh, boom, I got kicked in the head. How do I find him? Oh, I got kicked in the shin. Yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy fight. I'm tapping in on that one. Corporate Jake. Hi, guys. Recently, the aforementioned Dustin Poirier tweeted that it may be time to move up, indicating a move to 170 may be coming. MC, tap in or tap out on DP moving to welterweight? Um, depending on how you want to think about this, I say tap out. If I'm Dustin Poirier or Dustin Poirier's management, he's not a big 155-pounder. Some people would say he could make 145. And I say, case in point, when somebody pulled out of the fight, it was, it was, Tony, it was uh, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, that whole debacle with Shemaev. He stepped on the scale, took a picture of himself. He was in the 170s. I'm about 190 right now. He's not a big, he's not a big lightweight. Mike. I don't think it's smart for him to go up to 170. You get hit with a 170-pound punch, it's a lot harder than Mike, 155. Mike, you're fighting Busted. at 175. Mike, you're fighting at 170. I'm fighting a 145 <laughs> pounder at 170. Conor McGregor this has guy the, right here is actually fighting at 170. He has the bone density of a yellow-bellied sapsucker, the bone density of an albatross. <laughs> Conor McGregor is a natural 145 pounder, so if I want to fight him at 170, I'm going to be bigger than Conor at 170. That's why I'm fighting him at 170. Dustin Poirier, I'm tapping out. Well, Again, to you. Stay in. <laughs> Stay at 155. Man, I'm tapping in. I'm actually tapping in. I think that he should try something different because you need to try something different. You cannot just continue to do the same thing when in a lot of those big opportunities you've kind of fallen short. Right? He fell short in the BMF title fight. He fell short in the inter when he fought for the unified championship. He's been a little bit short. So it's time for a change. I tap in. Fight at 170 and then maybe come back down to 155. But you got to do something different to ensure that you're still on the right path in your career. Last one, Corporate Jake. All right, guys, last one. Following his new contract, Derek Lewis inked another deal, this time with Manscaped. DC, tap in or tap out. This is the perfect partnership. Well, I mean, Derek said his balls were hot and he got a championship fight. Guys, I'm telling you right now, when they called me to fight him in New York, they said, would you fight Derek Lewis? I said, you know, he said his balls were hot last weekend when he <laughs> won the fight. I was like, sure, he can't wrestle. And I like Derek. Derek looked good the other day. I was happy for Derek Lewis to get a victory, to win and earn another chance to stay in the UFC. But this is the absolute best partnership that I've seen for a long time because Derek loves to take his pants off. Mm -hmm. And you know Manscaped. Those guys have a lot of male products that I'm pretty sure Derek uses. Yeah, DC, I have to agree. I'm tapping in on this one. Derek Lewis is so marketable. He'll say whatever he wants. He stays in his lane. He has built a character that we all love. Like you said, he was a perfect fight for you. You wanted to fight him, but you still were like, hey, I, I don't want to beat him too bad because no. everyone loves Derek Lewis. When I heard that Derek Lewis might not get re-signed with the UFC, 
I thought it was one of the craziest things I had heard in a very long time in this sport. Derek Lewis, look at him. The dude's got his pants off. Who takes <laughs> their did. pants off and makes Joe Rogan or whoever's holding the microphone cry because they're uh, laughing so hard? But, yes, <laughs> Manscaped, they're going to – they're getting the balls was hot. I mean, they're probably going to come out with products just tailored to – that's going to have a nice little thing. You know, I use a dude wipe. All the time. I carry them with me all the time. Got a nice little mint chill thing. It's a nice, if you're on a hot sun or summer day, <laughs> you know, it just disgusting. cools it off a little bit. <laughs> you're actually Manscaped, throw it out there. You the, know why? The Derek Lewis you know why you wipes, need that dude, dude wipe? Stand up. Stand up. Look at his pants. He thinks that those pants are What's too tight. What's wrong with these he pants? He thinks these pants are too loose. Yes. He's, he needs yes. a smaller size. These are size. great pants. He these are great pants. But it was my first time buying these. This and they dude out actually too much. said that the pants are too big, guys. They're a little too I loose, I have seen man. them on the golf course. My pants was loose. His pants are so tight. <laughs> guys, Michael Chandler, thank you, my friend, for joining man, the show, you, man. I appreciate you. you. Great job. Dude. Are you heading back home or going straight to Boston? I'm heading back home. My wife is on a work trip for two days. She leaves tomorrow, so I'm going to go home, spend two nights with the boys, and then head out to Boston on Friday, see the boys, see the, see the Ch Team Chandler boys, put a nice exclamation mark on this thing, and watch some fights, and maybe even play some golf. Yeah, we'll see. maybe Saturday morning. Maybe Saturday morning. Play some golf. Guys, Ryan Clark, get home safe. I don't know where Ryan's going because Ryan's like Waldo. <laughs> we never know where he is in the world or in the country when football season starts. But as always, guys, thank you so much for tapping into DC and RC. Thank Michael Chandler for sitting in Ryan's seat this weekend. Find us wherever you get your podcast on ESPN2, Midnight Eastern, YouTube. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Michael Chandler. Until next time, guys, peace.